Let's shake it up a little. Welcome to the Salt and Pepper Podcast, adding a little bit of salt and a little bit of spice to make your Tuesday just right. Here's your hosts, Lisa and Olivia. There are so many different ways to do things and there are so many different things that you can learn. You need to not be so arrogant to think that, hey, I'm a pro because you can always learn something. In the words of my friend Olaf from Frozen 2, I get I am in the habit of trying to not control things I cannot change. Welcome to the Salt and Pepper Podcast. <laughs> How many people do you think legitimately turn off the podcast before we start because of my intros? Turn it off before we start? Yeah, like with that little bit. Because that's not... The little bit. The little bit I say. Okay, the first 10 seconds. Um, Excuse me. me. Uh, within the first 10 seconds most people <laughs> perfect and then they're like skip to where Lisa starts talking right okay so welcome <laughs> to salt and pepper podcast my name is Olivia I'm an entrepreneur brand builder my most recent business is build a brand agency and today we get to talk to a Disney Imagineer and it's so exciting and across from me is Lisa Brosser. you're welcome for allowing him to be on our Lisa show, thinks she, she controls things and it's really funny yeah I really do um I'm Lisa Brasser so I'm today. a water what am I not with you I have to defend myself so often um I'm a water connoisseur and my current obsession is actually frozen too I'm it's on my list so it's number three but not of like least to greatest I have I, greatest to least i've prayed for this moment yeah Dear i Lord, get really, lisa on track um we are morning, on the disney track folks we are on it every morning bear asks for elsa yeah okay i was thinking we elsa? have to go to disney with your kids i know because i will hold them and i will be just as excited <laughs> okay in fact <laughs> i will push them out of the way to get to the front <laughs> okay you're, you're like, pushing the stroller to get them i'm like to i want to go to the bibbity boppity boutique now <laughs> um that's fight i know <laughs> um wait that's really cute yeah it's it's really cute guys and it came out of nowhere i was like elsa elsa i'm surprised you, he doesn't like olaf like he's oh, not he, saying olaf no, he loves olaf oh, okay but i think elsa's name is said more so he knows Elsa. oh yeah Oh, that's so cute. Guys, if you were wondering about the Lisa's Disney salvation, we have really made progress today. I will just go ahead and snippet this by saying we got we got almost tears with a Peter Pan reference. That was number one. Number two, we got the phrase. I have so much more respect for Disney now. So honestly, I think that that you took so much note of that. I I need to start whispering when I talk about Disney. I could potentially quit everything in my life because I've gotten you to this moment I would love to see you do that that's so rude it would be hilarious to see me fail and quit you're the one who brought up the (laughs) you're so dumb so offended and you're the one who's (laughs) oh my gosh okay so so what's your current obsession my current obsession is my new ugly warm booties I got 
because say booties booties can you say booty booty (laughs) (laughs) because i have like a circulation issue in my feet and (laughs) it's pretty bad um i they turn purple and they throb so there's like some problems i think going on can someone just recommend her to go to the doctor (laughs) because i've been trying to and i'm sure arturo and her mother have and arturo does does never never goes to the doctor would never so recommend he, would, he would never recommend you to go to the unless doctor i was either. dying zev never goes to the doctor but he'll be like huh you might want to get that checked out mm-hmm. no our will never he'll go you're oh, fine so anti anti-doctor okay. no 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 not anti-doctor but just as like unless it's really serious you shouldn't just like go He's to the doctor for anything theorist all right okay just so. like nothing I'm saying. <laughs> no, so I went to Marshall's and I saw these booties. They basically look like a puffer jacket for, for you. your feet. And they're lined with fur. They're so ugly. I won't wear them in front of people, but I am not kidding. I, know, I was wondering where they were. They're not. They're hiding from you. <laughs> you go to my room. <laughs> they're so warm. I actually feel like I can focus on my work and I'm not focusing on how my feet hurt. Very, if you can't focus on something, I've looked it up. Also, it's a lot of your people. House it's a lot is freezing. My I hands it's, right now are it's very warmer cold. in our rooms. We, yeah. we don't keep our house. I don't like to be hot. I would rather bundle up. Our house is kept at like 79. Oh, yeah. I notice when I go there, it's very hot. <laughs> and Zav does not it's even sweating. like warm weather, but yeah, I love not wearing clothes when I'm at home, though. Yeah, but I sweat a lot. And you don't. No. So, and also it's a lot cheaper for us because we have centralized yeah. heating and air. So my mom is like really yeah, cautious of that. Yeah, we have the that. room by room one. Yeah. So. so anyway, that's my current obsession. What's yours? Um, I said my current obsession. I can't believe you already forgot. My silver lining. Wait, what was your current obsession? Oh, oh, oh my gosh. I was so, I got, I got Disney your, <laughs> Um. <laughs> My- so let's get to our silver lining of the week. Make this easier on the person editing this, please. <laughs> You're the one who interjected. Ugh. Um, my silver lining is also not a silver lining, but we're moving. So our house sold. Um, in the next two weeks, we're leaving our house, so we're packing everything up, and it's just really annoying. But I mean, the silver linings—we sold our house. Mm-hmm. No idea where we're moving. Perfect. But do you, I'm okay with that. Do you like change? Are you good? With I, change? Oh, I love change. So oh, you're not going to be like obsessed with change. You're not going to be sad to see the house no, go. No, no. You're not going to like have a moment. Uh, I'll I'll probably have a moment because like you brought your babies home there. Uh, brought our babies home there i mean this is the first place we lived with baby our yeah. cat mm-hmm. like that's huge for me wow it's so sad like not even as much as my cats <laughs> or as my kids um <laughs> but i mean i feel like it's um it, it was our first home but at the same time like i'm so excited about the future and i wish i could be more like that how do you change yeah, your mentality I, I hate change so much i can't i've always liked change i know but how do i was I the change? kid i don't know how, how would i know help me um like i remember being a kid and like it's middle of the night 12 a.m 1 a.m and i'm changing all of the furniture in my room and so that was weird. my favorite. And and so even in my own house, I asked Sab, I'm like, can I please move the couch? Like, can we put it somewhere? Can we like move things around? I don't like things to be like, I don't even like um, 
shelving that's in the wall just because I know that can never move. So I can never put something in front of that. And so, yeah, I just love change. I've always been. But I'm, of course, there's certain things that I'm like not going to love the change of. Right. Like bad things. Or if I loved my house. But I'm okay with moving. Yeah. No, for sure. Okay. Well, I need to I, be better. There's a part of me that loves uncertainty. There's there's certain securities I love. But um, like financial security. Like if I don't have financial security, that's really scary. But uncertainty can be very Mm. exciting to me oh yeah I mean I'm all about uncertainty I don't like change because I have sentimental attachments to change oh I'm not sentimental with that yeah but that is an eight thing too like even when I I move my room around or I get rid of something I take like a moment and I'm like what happened when my room was like this shut yeah like even when I left I took a moment in the back office and I looked at everything and I like prayed and I was like this is the place I've come to every day these are the emotions I've felt here. I'm not coming back here. Because if my house I think burned about down, that, it would stuff. be fine. Yeah, I would have a hard time. Really yeah. hard time. Even in this house that isn't mine. Because I think of the things. I think about Minnie being here or growing up here. And it's hard yeah. for me to detach those things. Yeah. But it also, that makes it hard for me to be able to. Because even thinking about getting a new car. I was thinking about this the other day. I would have a hard time letting that car go. Thinking about the things that have happened in that car. Like you, I don't know. It's hard for me. Yeah, I'm gonna miss your cereal bowl in in your. That will still that will still live <laughs> on in the new car. That's for sure. Just for everybody wondering, it's because I'm always like in a rush, so I eat my cereal while I'm on my drive and to go eat cereal anywhere. every single morning. Anyways, oh, that's true. What? Repetitiveness. I don't like change. Okay. Whoa. Oh yeah. Gosh. Nice. Full full circle. Yeah. My silver lining is that I mention it on the podcast today but I um I mentioned on the podcast today but for the first time ever I experienced a lot of imposter syndrome this week in starting our new business and I had a lot of doubts and I've never experienced that before and I really started to question my um like what is that is the word like the my ability if I deserved to be able to do the things that we're doing and all that stuff. And it was weird. Mm. And I was telling Arturo, I was like, I don't think I'm qualified. And then I just like had a moment of being like, okay, well, then this is what I really have to do because this is going to help me grow and learn, even if it's scary. Did the podcast help you in that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I feel I, like he had some really good mm-hmm. things along those lines without even yeah. having to speak entirely yeah to that at first yeah I think even his silver lining at the end being about like learning Mm -hmm. and just being like I am not gonna fail I've done this before it's okay yes somebody's counting on me but I can do it and I can make it happen so I think that was really good for me to experience the things I know a lot of people experience because you know sometimes when people act a certain way and you don't ever feel like that and you're like oh buck up it's Mm -hmm. fine so it was kind of good for me to be in that space and be like oh that's what people feel like yeah okay I get that more Mm -hmm. now so yeah great what's a water connoisseur I also love the way you spelled that. I, I'm just like so exhausted now. I, I usually, it's so funny. I almost deleted connoisseur because I'm like, I know I, I, know I spelled, spelled that incorrectly. And if she sees that, I'm going to be so embarrassed because <laughs> I have some sort of pride with my spelling. Oh, I'm a really good speller, but I just didn't care. And I was like, whatever, I'm not going to figure it out. You can um, just also tap it and then it corrects. 
uh, yeah, I, so I just didn't care. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm humble it, now. I'm, I'm humbling. You're humble now. Myself. Yeah. Um, a water connoisseur, it's almost like a, um, it's almost like a wine sommelier, but for water. Like okay. you love like the different waters. Oh yeah. Do you have a favorite Quality type of water? And I have a favorite type of water. Favorite type of water? Mm-hmm. Like, like well of. water or tap water no, like or like brand. brands. Um yeah. Okay. Were well, you gonna say what it is? Oh, <laughs> Essentia? Yeah, that's my favorite yeah. too. And then if they don't have that, then Fiji. Because it has the highest levels of alkal- alkaline. Oh, if they don't have that, I really like, um, it's like sport something. It's honestly, like the packaging is so ugly, but the water, it has so many electrolytes in it or mm-hmm. something. It's like almost sweet. Oh. Like the aftertaste is yeah. kind of sweet. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I get that with Essentia. Yeah. They, they've done a lot of tests on it, like YouTube videos, and that's like the best mm-hmm. kind and stuff. Yeah. Like I'm unlike a connoisseur, Dasani, I know. Ew. Oh, and Smart Water isn't even as good as people think it is. Oh no, sorry, Smart Water. Unless you want to sponsor us, like you are absolutely there. You guys are the best. You're the best. Thank you. One. Um, <laughs> okay, so as we've mentioned before, um, we have Josh Shipley on the show today. Um, he, I had listened to him previously on a Disney podcast I listened to, and <laughs> um, he started off in the. Um, Disney college program in Florida and then he moved all the way up into being an Imagineer and he was one of the first digital like artists to bring Photoshop into Imagineering in all of Disney which is pretty wild we actually didn't get like really into that in the show Um, but his just like willingness to do everything and take every opportunity is so inspiring so for anybody listening whether you like Disney or not we actually don't really like he really branches off and we talk about things that can apply to every single person um who's like I, in the I enjoyed it yeah I well, even like Disney still pretend or Disney Lisa's still pretending she doesn't like Disney but oh we all gosh. know the truth now Whatever. Um, <laughs> so yeah um we hope you guys enjoyed the episode and uh let's let's get on into wishing upon a star say something right now Bye. <laughs> um okay so we are sitting here with josh shipley and we're so excited to have you everybody that listens to the show knows i am a disney fanatic including she's crazy i'm she's, crazy but i mean you must understand being a disney fanatic yourself correct you you uh, know how wild no. you guys get what have i done <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well it's nice to have somebody else here with the same level of excitement for disney um i'm slowly converting lisa it's like taking some time but it's my personal mission to do that well now that I like Frozen too. She automatically thinks that I'm like <laughs> on her level, and I'm like, no, we're we're not even close. Ease her into it. Come on. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm trying. Um, okay, so for the people listening that don't know you, could you just tell us a little bit about you and who you are? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So my name is Josh Shipley. That's that's a good place to start. Um, I grew up in Southern California. Uh, very close to Disneyland. Uh, I come from a entertainment family. Um, my mom was a performer. My dad was a performer. And by the time I came around, uh, they were already uh, operating their own community theater in Ontario, California, uh, which had started in Upland, California. 
Um, so my upbringing was actually backstage on stage with live theater. And that was very much what influenced, you know, what I liked and what I enjoyed. And then, um, uh, as you get older and you start to decide, you know, what you got to become in life, uh, I used that theatrical experience and, and love for the things that, uh, I loved just down the street, which was Disneyland. And I eventually, uh, worked in parks. I worked at Walt Disney World on the Great Movie Ride um, and then uh, moved back uh, to uh, California eventually and was with Walt Disney Imagineering starting in 1996 through uh, 2017 with all kinds of different things uh, in those years. I mean, it's it's no one discipline. It's no one thing. It's It's a lot of different fun, exciting things. There's some things that are just work we don't need to talk about those things. That's not fun. Uh, but uh, basically, that's me. It's like I come from the entertainment side in Southern California, and Disney means a lot to me. I'm a huge old pop culture geek nerd on tons of things that uh, I was surrounded with growing up. So that's awesome. Some of the basics. Yeah, no, I love it. So I, so you started in the college program in yep. Disney World. And one thing that stood out to me just listening to your other podcasts that you were on um, is just this idea that you went in kind of with a game plan. You weren't there just to be there, but you were like, what can I do to get to where I want to be? And I think that's such a good mentality for anybody to have who's following their dreams. Yep. So um, I would love to hear just a little bit about that process because you start in the college program in the great movie ride, but you also are kind of like making notes of things that you could change and things that would be best and yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah. And and there's a fine line in there because there's, there's I'm going to say that that fine line is based on sincerity. For me, uh, that game plan didn't have to do with, I'm going to have this title and I'm going to accomplish this exact thing. That, that wasn't the game plan. The game plan was, I love this. I'm going to start learning as much as I can so that when a window opens or a door opens and there's an opportunity, I'm ready to take that next step. So, so that's what I mean by the sincerity is, is for me, it wasn't title chasing. It was if I learn as much as I can about this because of how much I love it, then I'm at least equipped with the knowledge when the opportunity uh, becomes available to me. So uh, the, I mean, this, this is a lifetime thing. This isn't like, this is what happened to me in 96. Uh, this is, you know, it's still something that is true to this day in terms of how I uh, just handle my, my day to day in general. Um, uh, especially with such a, a weird year that we're we're facing right now, and and it's turbulent for for so many. I uh, you're gonna find I jump all over the place, but this is relevant. I just right before hopping on with you, I was with a group of friends from Imagineering, and we try to get on a Zoom call every other week just to, uh, to you know stay in touch and 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 keep things going. Well, unfortunately, because of the current conditions, uh, a vast majority of them have been let go recently um, and in fact one of the people on the call today today is his last day um, and I only bring that up because because this isn't about the how did I get there it's a constant it's like you know even these people I'm talking to are now still in pursuit mode um, because because things got turned upside down this year and how do you handle that and what's the next step and all that kind of stuff um, so for me I think uh, like I said, you know, the, there's the theater upbringing and there was a point when I was little, you know, you'd go on stage for X amount of shows here and there. And 
And you don't really comprehend, for me, at least because this was home, I didn't comprehend that that was unusual and different uh, until I started to get older and started to realize that, you know, other friends at school weren't necessarily um, going to rehearsals every night and that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, that comes with more of an understanding as you get older. But um, uh, I always thought that the theater would be kind of where I would be and, you know, taking over the family business or whatever it is. And it wasn't until my family sold the theater and I started to have to go, wait a minute, this isn't just me going through the steps to run the family business. It's, it's what am I going to do with my life kind of a question. Uh, what am I going to major in and you know, what, what brings value? And so that's more of the, the, the planning ahead type thing. And that's where the Disney aspect came into play with, with the, well, I love this. I really, you know, I love the, the legacy of Walt Disney. I love, uh, you know, the theme parks. And I started to apply that. And so as you're doing that, it's a, what do I have to do uh, other than just go to the parks? Uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people think, you know, as long as I love it, I'm, a, I'm the master of all. I was like, no, 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 that's not it. It's, you know, how do I need to understand this? So I started looking at Disneyland and theme parks from a young age with that theatrical director's eye. You know, hey, why are the light posts there at that location or why are they painted that color or where are the projectors set up for here or and you know and so always having that that type of my analytical mind in play at the parks started to become a well why why don't I turn this love into a career so at the at the right age I go into the college program I uh, in Florida and uh at that point in time it is uh uh, it's more of one of those things where it's like, you know, you, you apply, you go, you work, you gain the experience, whether you want to be there or not. I say, I say it that way because I had some of my coworkers out there who really were just going through the steps of being part of the college program. It wasn't based on a passion. Um, not all, just some, uh, but going out there and, and they're, they're saying, you know, well, what is it that you would want to do in the interview process? And, and I'll, and I'll let you know how nervous I was about this interview process I think I've maybe stated this out there. If not, um, I was so nervous about my Disney world interview that on the way to the interview, I had to stop in the bathroom and throw up because that's how nervous <laughs> no I, way. And I'm not, I'm not that kind of person. I I've been on stage. I perform, but it meant so much to me that I couldn't handle it. I'm like, mm-hmm. Ugh, and I had to like, <laughs> I had to go because it was, it was, it was so important. So I go in there and they say, you know, well, what is it you want to do? And I said, I really want to be in attractions. And like, everybody says they want to be in attractions. I said, uh, you know, I'm a theater major. I would love to be able to extend that and have it mean, you know, have some purpose while I'm there. So I get the offer and it is, uh, um, studios, which I loved that, that park, you know, from the time it opened, uh, studio attractions. And that's all I was told. And I'm like, okay, great. There's a, there's a good step forward. It's in a park. Actually, I would have been great at Epcot. I would have been great at Magic Kingdom. It wouldn't have mattered, but, but it's like studios, cool. Uh, and then all I knew is, you know, show up, attractions, don't know what that means. We get out there and it, yeah, from, you know, we get there and it, it is, where do you see yourself? Because they hadn't made full assignments and all of that. And, and it's one of those lessons of, you know, if you don't ask for it, you, you might not get it. And I said, well, I want to be on the great movie ride. And, and you know, just kind of laughed. It's like, yeah, everybody says they want to be on the great movie, right? But that requires an audition process. And great, you know, give me the script. Let's audition. Let's do this. Um, and it's like, well, it's not that easy. And but I get scheduled for the audition, you know, right as we get there. 
You have to go into management. You have to do cold read of all this stuff. And then I got placed on the movie ride. And uh, through the years, I've had a lot of people actually say, you know, how is it that you got to be on the movie ride? And I say, I asked. Now, it doesn't mean you get everything you ask for, but you don't get anything that you don't ask for. So th that's always, and I, and I try to apply that right back to myself even now. Just ask. And so I was able to do that. While I was on the movie ride, that became uh, not just a job that I loved, but all of a sudden you've got this huge anchor attraction in this, uh, at that time, it's still, you know, a new park within the, a few years. And uh, you could, we, we, would, we would host a lot of, we, the, the park would host a lot of um, special groups after hours. And a lot of times those groups would, would go in pockets to different attractions. They'd go over to Indy and watch the stunt show. And then they'd go over, you know, they'd do all these things. And so we would have scheduled times and there would be a lot of, in between time from when park closed to when the corporate entity showed up for their party to when you had to be in place in the movie ride to be a, a tour guide or a gangster. And a lot of times, you know, you would just hang out in the break room and, and you know, we would, we would know that, you know, the group's coming, Oh, they're over at Indy right now. That gives us X amount of times. We need to start cycling vehicles. A lot of times that's what you do. You'd wait for me. I couldn't, I was too curious. I was too excited about everything that was in this, this huge ride building. Um, and I had been fortunate to latch onto uh, for one, my trainers, my trainers for both uh, tour guide and gangster caught on very early, how much I was truly interested in what was happening. And so they were always open to allow me to ask questions, but then uh, they would uh, in these downtimes, they would say, let's go grab a flashlight and we would, we would walk the attraction, um, you know, safely, of course, but uh, we would walk the attraction and, and they would point out things to me or I could ask them questions, even though they weren't, you know, the Imagineers that worked on it, they still were, you know, people that, you know, were full-time uh, working there and knew a lot about it. And I would be able to start saying, oh, that's interesting, you know, that the lights are focused up here for the Anubis scene or you don't even see that over here because the guests are never looking that way, but it's very interesting how much detail went into it. And so I would spend hours because there would be multiple nights of these things. I would spend hours just perusing the attraction and, and learning about it. Not because I ever thought I'm going to apply it in some way, but because I was curious, I loved it. I wanted to know more. And that's what, you know, continues through life to lead to the next step, to the next step, to the next step. The movie ride experience did not get me the job at Imagineering. That comes through other, you know, pursuits and avenues. But where that does apply is, you know, the point you get into an Imagineering capacity and all of a sudden you're part of brainstorming attractions or shows um, and you're, you're coming, you know, you're working with a team and you're coming up with all these different, you know, thoughts and ideas and concepts. You start applying some of this knowledge. And for me, it's like, you know, the great movie ride. I mean, it's not just a movie, right? But that was such an intimate experience for me. So you start applying those things. You start saying, well, if we do this, uh, the guests probably aren't going to look or this way. Or uh, if we approach it this way and the lighting is focused from straight forward, that's right in the guest's eyes. And a lot of times, you know, that stuff gets adjusted and fixed in the field. But to have these conversations early on because, you know, you've gone through this type of thing or to say, Timing, you know, uh, there's a, a lot of times um, timing becomes um, something that's that's glossed over uh, from a load unload.
perspective. I mean, on the movie ride, it was um, the, the load unload music is tied together for the launch of a vehicle and the ones coming out of the finale theater. And you can hold that music, but really to keep things running and to have the hourly capacity that you need, you have to keep things going. Oh, look, I'm getting a, a visitor right now. You can see <laughs> that. Yeah. Um, okay, here I'll lift up. Oh, oh hi. Um, oh, she stared straight, straight, straight into my soul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, she actually likes to hang out with me and sit on my lap a lot. So, I, oh, cute. so um, cute. But the, the timing thing actually is a lot more important than, than most people would think about because when you're in a blue sky process in Imagineering, I'm sorry, I'm just like running with this right now. Oh, so, break so in whenever good. you need. You have no so idea good. how mesmerized I am okay. right now. <laughs> okay. So, the cat helps, right? Um, yes. <laughs> no, and now she's talking. Um, but, you know, you're in these pitch meetings and, and I don't mean this as a negative. I mean, this as an example of, of different types of things that would come to the table. Um, and sometimes you have competing ideas within Imagineering where uh, you might be presenting a similar project or a similar uh, intellectual property against another team. But so often, you know, there's this magical theoretical, you know, we're going to be able to get you know, 2,000 or 2,500 people an hour through this. And, and yes, that might be true. And from a park ops standpoint, you go, that's ideal. We would love to have 2,000 people or 2,500 people an hour through here. But unfortunately, then my, my theatrical director's mind and, 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 and uh, theme park ops analytical mind, a lot of times would, would have to click in and say, okay, well, uh, because this involves... Um, uh, vehicle motion, I'm just going to uh, spitball some things, but the, uh, the guests are going to have to wear seatbelts of some sort. Yeah. Um, because we're inverting, we're going to most likely be required to do uh, shoulder harnesses. Oh, you know what? That's true. I bet you. Okay. What's the check time? How long does it take for a guest to typically get in there and put on a seatbelt? check the harness and then the cast member has to come around and actually pull on those and check those. And you start putting the time together and you go, okay, your theoretical load unload time that you put into your pitch that created a 2000 per hour was based on people loading and unloading in three seconds. <laughs> the reality of the seatbelt and the harnesses and all this kind of stuff, let's just put it in best case scenarios where nothing has to be fixed and adjusted. And, you know, we're timing, come up to about 35 seconds, 40 seconds. Now multiplying that out by however many, and then you get to the hours and you're like, hey, you're probably at 1100 per hour. What can we do to increase that to get it back to the 2000? I mean, I'm, I'm really just spitballing and giving you guys examples. But a lot of times within the blue sky realm, that would be like a, you know, oh, how negative of him to sabotage our project and take us from the 2000 that the executive wanted here down to 1100. And what they would fail to hear is the, no, what can we do to solve for this, to get you back up to that 2000? Because that would be so ideal because we know that's what people want to hear. That's the movie ride side coming into play. That's the, I've had to sit there in a panic of, I don't even remember the timing now, two minutes, 20 seconds, whatever it was of getting X amount of people loaded into a vehicle with the doors shut so that it can go so that people in the finale theater don't get held. And then it has this, you know, ripple effect all through the attraction. 
that's where working in the park side comes into play because you go, wait, I know what it's like to have to load a vehicle or to have the wheelchair party come in or to have the kid who is screaming because uh, you didn't realize you just separated them from who they wanted to be with on this attraction. You know, there are things you think about because you've been in the parks, you've worked with the guests, you've experienced emotional things with guests, anger, frustration, happiness, joy, you know, all these things. Um, that segues into the designer's mind within an imaginary capacity, at least for me personally, I'm, I can't speak to everybody, but um, those all take you to the next step, to the next step, to the next step. Still trying to answer your question long form here. Um, that then, especially in the imaginary capacity, like I said, I got there in 96. I started uh, fireproofing backdrops uh, for Animal Kingdom and Disney Fest Asia, which was a project at the time. And uh, that, you know, that was day one, but the ability to adapt and learn and have an excitement for what was being done and, and not just say, you know, hey, I can do that. Let me take it from you. That's not it. It's the, hey, that's interesting to me. What can I learn, like with the movie ride, and having that open up doors, and all of a sudden, years later, you know, I'm a, a show director on Lincoln for Disneyland. You know, I would not have imagined that while fireproofing a backdrop, or, or doing all you know the the story pitch uh, and 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 rewrites and direction for what we were doing on uh, the Disney Kingdom comic book series with Marvel. I mean, there's no way that I would go back again to that fireproofing, or even as a movie writer, and say hey, you know, uh, in this year, in the future, uh, you're going to be dealing with these Marvel writers and artists and telling them what's correct for Haunted Mansion and Big Thunder. And I mean, you just, you, you, you take the knowledge, especially if you care about it, you take the knowledge, you put it in your, your toolkit and you continue to just utilize it and you learn every step of the way. You don't ever rest on your laurels and think, you know, I'm the best now. I know how to do this now and they should come to me. It's like, no, no, no. Every project you need to say, that's interesting. I need to learn that. I need to grasp onto that. I need to figure this out because it leads to something else. Mm -hmm. So I'll let you talk now. Oh, sorry. Wow. <laughs> do you, if I go, I'll never stop. So okay, you ask your I'll, question. that's what I was hoping. So, um, mm -hmm. I appreciate you so much and you're actually really helping me appreciate Disney more. Hey. So oh my gosh, for being on the podcast. High five, Olivia. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean, so she made me watch a documentary about Disney on Disney Plus. Imagineering. Of course, okay, Imagineering. Good. Touched my heart. All about you. The, all eight episodes, um, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, gosh. Um, and I had a newfound appreciation for Disney because of people like you who have the passion and I I mean I'm I'm guessing that's most imagineers in general from the sound of it too. They have the passion and they love Disney or they have an interest in the minuscule and the small and the details. And I think what makes something great like Disney is it doesn't just stop. It continues. There's always something to be worked on. There's always something new. And so that's probably why you got to the place where you're at. Passion and knowing that you can always grow and that things can always get better. And also helping other people see that too. 
And so I'm wondering, were there any difficulties as far as other people feeling like um, maybe they were more prideful in what they were doing and saying like, oh, excuse me, like you just started here or like maybe like looking down on you um, for giving your opinion or saying, hey, let's yeah, work on this. So yeah. how do you um, get through that and say, I think I'm, I just see a bigger picture or I'm just looking into the details more than you? Well, it, I actually, I mean, you're asking a question that I, that I think applies more to human nature than it does to Absolutely. imaginary work environment because you have personalities that, uh, especially in an artistic environment and creative environment, you have you know, strong opinions and personalities that all want to you know, bring something to the table. Um, so yeah, that obviously that does exist but again as a human trait because it's it's not a uh you know oh at at imagineering uh, it, that just can't be the the equatable you know answer for this it's how do you handle you know those that might have that opinion now when i started uh i was definitely the youngest person there within the production team um i mean i was always referred to as the kid and i felt a little insecure about the the fact that you know I was coming in around uh, a, a lot of amazing scenic artists and carpenters and you know all these different fabricators because I was in the production realm when I started and and they had you know actually a lot of them had had built the movie ride you know physically built the movie ride and and I'm just this kid who's coming in so I felt my own personal insecurities and every now and then I, I would hear the, you know, um, the, the kid comment. Um, and I would feel bad, like, you know, oh, I, you know, am I, am I worthy of this? Am I good enough? Uh, and I think there needs to be, again, I'm now human nature and even talking about myself, there needs to be a level of humility that you can hang on to. I think as soon as, you know, anybody becomes, uh, you know, too arrogant, that's, you know, that's the person that's also too difficult to work with. Or if you think that I know this and you need to just listen, that's damaging. Um, my, uh, my, my biggest mentor over all the years uh, has been Tony Baxter. And, and that's one of the things that I feel like I've learned from him is my age doesn't matter to him, he's a Disney legend and he's created a lot of amazing things, but he will actually still listen to me. And there's a lot to be said about the fact that this person who can build a big Thunder Mountain, um, you know, or a Disneyland Paris and all these kind of things is still willing to listen to the kid. And what I try to do at least, uh, you know, with, with me in, in the different capacities that I have, is I try to reflect that back. And like my mentor, who's, who I remember uh, years and years back, somebody said, uh, um, uh, you know, you realize one of your best friends is probably old enough to, uh, to be a parent, your parent, speaking about Tony. And I kind of laughed and said, I don't think about that. I think about the fact that I have so much that I can learn from this person if I'm willing to listen, but when I speak up, they also listen to me. And there's also you, you, at least with a good mentoring relationship, um, you have the ability to also give creative, uh, 
or constructive criticism and listen to it, especially for me being on the younger side and being somebody who wants to learn to be able to think that I know what I'm talking about. I came from theater. I actually know how to do this. And then to have, you know, my mentor or somebody on the senior level step in and say, uh, the reason why we wouldn't do it this way is because of this and this and this personal trait. Do I have the ability to say, Oh, I totally get it. That makes sense. Or do I have the arrogance? And I say, well, no, I learned this in school and you're wrong. That exists. There are those personalities. They exist. What are you going to be? What kind of person are you going to be? I, I mean, I'm, you know, maybe some who listen to this and go, I don't know Shipley that way. That guy's a jerk, but at least I try, I really do try to be the type of person that my mentor, you know, was to me and listen. Um, there's, I mean, there are a lot of examples about that. Thing. I mean, I can't illustrate enough how much this is human behavior that we're talking about. You know, I don't want this to reflect on a, on a Disney scale or, you know, even a universal or anything like that. It's more of like, you know, us as human beings and, and how are we treating each other and how are we listening to one another and how are we helping one another and, or are you the type of person who's just going to slam the door in somebody's face and say, I don't need you. I have everything that I need already. Um, I, I, this is a little bit of an offshoot, but I kind of thought about it earlier is um, Photoshop has always been um, a hobby for me. I'm not strong in terms of being formally trained, uh, but I did bring Photoshop into the production atmosphere at Imagineering where it hadn't existed because it was my hobby. Well, then they would teach classes if you wanted to, you know, once a week or whatever, you could sign up for different things and there were Photoshop classes. And I thought, oh, cool. I want to learn more uh, about Photoshop. And so I went in and, and I would start taking these classes. And I remember the teacher saying, uh, you know, and there's a room of 12 of us or whatever. And the, 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 the instructor saying, um, who thinks they know a lot about Photoshop? And some people, you know, would raise their hands. And, and for me, I'm like, no way. I, I'm like, there's so much in that. I don't, I'm here to learn. That was the kind of the teacher's point is she then wanted to let us know that this is such a robust tool. You should never think you know everything about this. There are so many different ways to do things. And there are so many different things that you can learn. You need to not be so arrogant to think that, hey, pff, I'm a pro because you can always learn something. And then gave an example of John Hench, again, Disney legend. He was coming into Imagineering every day in his 90s. Um, she said he was taking private Photoshop classes. He was the, he was the company artist of, for Mickey Mouse until he passed away. And, and she said he was taking private Photoshop classes there at work from her. And she said, uh, you know, you're in your 90s, you, you can pick up a paintbrush, you're a master of color, why do you need to do this? And he said, he goes, well, if there's a new paintbrush, I wanna know how to use it. And I thought, brilliant, perfect. 90 something, he does not need to know how to do this, but for him, curiosity was still there. And he's like, no, 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 if the kids nowadays are painting with this, I can still learn. So, there's a lot to be said about, again, the humility and, and never placing yourself above anybody else in the process. Always be willing mm -hmm. to learn from anybody, age, 
on any spectrum, you know, genders, anything. It's like you mm-hmm. can learn something from everybody, but you got to be willing. Consider everyone less than you. I think that's like so huge in, in humility and like becoming a better person. And, and this is like in my brain, I obviously like don't think Disney very often. And so even you like using Photoshop as an example, it's so funny. I didn't even want to try using Photoshop when it became a thing like as a kid because I was like, I'm so overwhelmed by this. There's no way I'm even going to try it. And so I'm wondering for you knowing that there is such a complexity and there's so much for you to learn how did you not for instance me wanting just to like not do something like run away from it how do you like dive in so even for instance like starting off just doing the silicone silicon painting yeah on the like how, yeah. on the dinosaurs like yeah. how do you even like not be too intimidated you, well, I think I think you'll always be a little intimidated. <laughs> you know, how do you how do you handle that? I uh, I was telling my daughter today, I said, for some reason I'm feeling a lot of anxiety today. And right now I'm working at a at a just backstage at a big theater um, south of Salt Lake. Um, and I said, I started to feel this anxiety last night. It's not tied to anything specific. Um, I don't know what it is. And I was feeling it today and I said, I kind of just want to go back to bed. I said, but I know I can't. And I said, I, I wouldn't give up like that. I said, but, but the feeling, there's something emotionally, I don't know if it's because it's getting darker sooner. I don't know what it is. But I said, I'm feeling like I don't want to deal with it right now. But I, I have to. I have to. I have to do it. Okay. You'll find that I, I do speak a lot about emotion. That drives me a lot creatively as well. But. I feel that way about, you know, you say the, the silicone painting or, you know, uh, how complex is a Photoshop or other program and, and how, do you, how do you even, you know, gain enough uh, excitement about taking on something that is so, so big or new or complex. And sometimes you just say, I'm just going to and in, I'm most likely going to fail. My biggest fear with failing is failing those around me. It's not me failing personally. I fail all the time. It's it's failing those around me. I don't want to I don't want to fail those around me. So realizing that I can go into an environment to learn a program, to learn a, a skill, and usually, and I, I think this was the case with like the silicone paint, for instance, it was. I am very much willing to learn this if you will be patient with me. Um, as I've gotten older, I've realized that like, if I audition for a show, every now and then I'll still hop on stage. I haven't for a while, but I still will. I'm usually pretty forward about the fact that it's like, I don't dance. I can. I'm an actor who moves well, but I don't, you know, I don't want anybody to think, you know, that I have two left feet entirely. I, I always try to say, if you or the choreographer, you know, will have patience with me to learn, I'll work and I'll learn. Um, so, you know, where's your personal willingness? Also, Photoshop is a good example um, with that teacher saying, you know, there's, there's you know, thousands, millions of ways to accomplish, you know, things and, and always several different ways 
to reach the goal. It's just a matter of how your mind will interpret it and use the tools. Um, my approach to Photoshop, you know, started with being able to work with, with photos. And what was important to me was, okay, you know, color values and some shadows and, and maybe, you know, uh, uh, fixing some blemishes here and there, that kind of thing. If I would have looked at that program in its entirety, that would have been way too overwhelming. Um, it, to the point of not wanting to start. But what I jumped into was, well, I know it can solve for this, and so I'm gonna learn this. And then along the way, in the production part of, of being uh, Walt Disney Imagineering and doing uh, graphic production, I would often, and this is, this is uh, not just with graphics, but with, with uh, video editing and, and all that kind of stuff, it was quite often, okay, I don't 100% know how to do that, but analytically I can figure this out and I know where the help menu is and I can Google search. I'm gonna figure this out. And so over the years, I was gaining more of those skills and tasks along the way, but not because I was taking a class to learn how to do specific. It was because, hey, on this project for Tokyo Disney Sea, we need this and this and this. And I would go, okay, again, be patient with me let me figure that out and then i would go and i would i would do everything i could to learn what was needed to then accomplish what was being asked of me mm. so i don't know take small bites out of things you know yeah. approach things um in smaller steps because if you look at the big big picture before you even start it can be intimidating mm -hmm. and you might talk yourself out of it yeah oh man you're just speaking to just every part of me as a human being right now. So I, I was literally just talking to my boyfriend yesterday and we're starting a new business. And what you were saying about failing yourself is yeah. like failure, I think, is good because that means you're learning and you're just going to move on to the next thing. Yeah. But when you have other people riding on you, I was telling him on our walk, I was just like, we're going to hopefully be working with this new company and everything is riding on me. And now all of a sudden, like I've never never really had imposter syndrome it just came on so strong like I don't have a degree why am I qualified to do this if I do this what if I let them down you know and he just said well do you know you can do and then it was you know make a logo I was like well yeah and he goes okay well yeah. do you know you can do step two and I'm like okay yeah he's like you literally just have to do things one step at a time which is like my philosophy with everything because everything is so overwhelming, but I'm also convinced nobody actually knows what they're doing. They yes. just like, they just do it. And then all of a sudden they're just doing it for a very long time. <laughs> no, but, but that's, that is 100% true. And I don't think we realize that as kids and that's probably healthy that we don't, you know, when you're a kid, you think everybody uh, who's an adult knows what they're doing and they've, they've, they've got a big plan and they've been instructed and now they're qualified. And then you grow up and, um, you know, you, you get a job or married or have kids, you know, list all of the things that happen as, as the years go on in your life. And you're just figuring it out and you're doing your best to try and not mess up. And if you mess up, you hope it's not too bad that you can, you know, you can fix that. But, but you have to have, again, that humility to say, okay, I like that you used imposter sy syndrome because you go, I have seen so-and-so 
on the big screen or in this documentary. And that is the most amazing thing in the entire world. And I could never do that. And why am I even here? But at the end of the day, you go, oh, but wait a minute. I was able to help do this. I was able to accomplish that. Um, and you kind of got to cut yourself a little bit of slack and, and put your guard down and, and look around you and say, hey, everybody else is trying to figure it out too. Or those like in the mentor, mentor uh, capacity, you go, or there are people that have walked this path before and have messed up before. And I really could learn from them and, and listen because they once had to figure that out and mess up as well. So, you know, it's, it, it's true that all things in life, we're just kind of trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So one thing when I was listening to you on the podcast is your everything you're saying right now is literally taking things step by step and having to get go from the bottom to the top. And I yeah. think for a lot of people, especially younger people, they want what they want. We were literally just talking about this instant gratification. Yeah. They want what they want right now. They want to get the house and they want to do the thing and right. blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I can't explain to people like I scrubbed mold off of floors. You should do that because you really need to know because you'll take it for granted if you get to that point without doing all of those other things. So for you, when you were taking those steps and you took every opportunity that came to you, which I also think is huge, is just saying yes and doing it. Um, But do you have advice for those people that are having a really hard time with honestly just patience and working hard to where they want to be? I I don't. I think that goes... (laughs) I think you need psychologists for that. Um, <laughs> well, but there's there's a certain thing about you know we we're talking digitally right now, live in real time. Um, we all carry not all, but you know so many of us carry technology in our pockets that's greater than anything that an entire team sent people to the moon with. You know that there's <laughs> there's this desire for instant gratification because it has become easy to get it. You know, Mm -hmm. instead of a, what does that word mean? I'm going to have to look that up in the dictionary later. It's like, no, let me just Google it on my phone Mm -hmm. or ask Siri or whatever. No, Siri, not you. Um, And uh, (laughs) um, so unfortunately, the world around us has trained us uh, in in that way to not have to be patient. So I don't don't really know what that, you know, what that counsel is for people. Um, Yeah. Because we all, you know, suffer from it. But, But again, as generationally, you know, there starts to be more and more of those that are only aware of a life with instant gratification. How do you teach patients? Um, uh, there is a, uh, there was a person um, at, at Imagineering who, uh, who made a comment to a senior uh, leader, creative executive, um, and said something to the effect after a big presentation about career and all these wonderful, amazing things that can be accomplished. And the and this this younger person out of out of school, and I'm paraphrasing, but they said something to the effect of, uh, "When are people like you going to leave so that we get our chance?" And but that <laughs> but but that's an example of wait a minute, don't you think that this person had to go through all of these steps? had to actually scrub the mold off the floor or sweep or any of these things, why do you believe that you get to walk in the door and immediately be declared as executive VP, da, 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 da. It's like, there's work that comes with that. There's, you know, things that you, you accomplish. There's, you know, you prove that you're competent to do it. You don't just get to walk in the door and say, 
you know, the, the, the degree I paid for, you know, must be declared this title upon me. It's like, no, you got to put in the work. You got to scrub those floors. There's a, there was a department um, called uh, Creative Services, which was basically, uh, you know, a lot of the things that were needed for a presentation level that could be printing out artwork, mounting, creating pitch boards, that kind of stuff. And uh, there was a lot that would be put upon the people that would work in that department. And quite often uh, um, you would have uh, interns, you know, that, that are there for only a few month process, but, but are interns that were called in for something, you know, in a certain capacity with a certain department. And they would come in and they'd make demands. We have a presentation with said leader of company tomorrow morning. This needs to be done right now. Very common to have that kind of demand put on the creative services, you know, area. And I, I think of back to the, are you willing to work on, on an attraction in the parks first? It's, I think if you had worked in that creative services area and been under the pressure of getting somebody's presentation for said executive tomorrow ready, you wouldn't be so demanding walking in that door saying, you need to stay late tonight to do this for me right now because you would have experienced that. So we, would, we were always trying to advocate that at least with the interns or people that would start, that there's a, there's a process of learning uh, what some of those, those uh, like unseen jobs entail so that there would be a greater understanding and empathy for everybody that you're, you know, you're, you're putting that workload on. Um, I do think more people need to be willing to scrub mold off floors. It doesn't have to be your career, but there are things that you learn. A, a good friend of mine who's, um, who's uh, the producer on the new Beauty and the Beast attraction in Tokyo, he was also working in parks, uh, uh, studios in Florida, and he tells a story of, of working in foods and a guest was so upset over their order. I mean, he's working register, he's ringing them up. The guest was so upset over the, the order that they threw the food on him. And he says, he's got this pasta like hanging from him as he's sitting there trying to calm this person down. He, it wasn't his mistake. But this many years later, he still applies that to the, what has that person gone through today? What, what upset them to the point that they threw food on me. Um, and for him, he's like, I wore those shoes. I stood there. I let that person yell at me and throw food on me just so that years later when producing this Beauty and the Beast attraction, I could better understand what might this mom be upset about at this point in the queue, that kind of example. Because he can call back on you know, his willingness um, his willingness to, to do the undesirable job first, you know, even with a college degree or whatnot, it's like, you know, learn this, learn the steps, learn what you need to along the way, be willing to. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even as you were talking, I was thinking of what advice could you give? Cause you're so right. Like we've grown up with technology. It's easy mm -hmm. to just have it right in front of you, but 
I think the key too is having that passion, like you're saying. And I think a lot of people want instant gratification so bad they don't even follow their passion. And so they don't even have that because you had that true desire not to just go step by step. You genuinely wanted to know what was happening in the ride. And so you went to go see it. And so I think that also could be something like for somebody who's listening, who is feeling really impatient about their life. It's like, find out what you truly love and what you want to do and go for that. And I think a lot of people are scared to do that too well but even right now i mean again the 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 year is peculiar i'm i'm sitting in utah which is not where i thought i would be i thought i would be either in california or florida this year but i'm in utah right now um and i mentioned i'm working backstage at a a big theater this theater is uh um engineering just most amazing facility i've i've been in and it's it's incredible and i and back in that movie ride mindset where I'm helping out backstage, you know, just get the show going. We're doing Tarzan right now um, and just keeping the show and, and the audience is happy. But I'm so fascinated by the fact that this stage rotates and moves and there's this fly system and there's huge gantries and there's so much that's happening. And I've found that same level of enthusiasm. And, and it kind of harkens back to what I say is like, don't ever get to the point where you think, hey, I'm good because here I am, you know, uh, involved backstage in a show right now and I'm I feel like I'm just as fascinated by the fact that this theater functions in such a way that's incredible to me and I can't get enough of trying to figure out uh, all that it's capable of and you know just you know keep that keep that spark and that that interest you know alive mm-hmm. oh, yeah <laughs> well as we're closing out olivia does have just a few quick rapid fire questions yes um (laughs) that's like honestly it's all just for her but um humor her disney fanatic (laughs) he gets it you don't have to explain to him i'm gonna guess (laughs) okay so your favorite disney movie (laughs) animated or live action both both um uh favorite animated is sleeping beauty Okay. Um, because of uh, Ivan Earl backgrounds and just artistically beautiful. Mm-hmm. beautiful. Uh, close second is Peter Pan because of the whole message of, uh, you know, don't ever grow up. Mm-hmm. So that's animated. Um, okay, that actually just made me emotional for a second. I'm <laughs> See? sorry. Oh my gosh, we're really doing that. Good. <laughs> High five, Olivia. Yeah, <laughs> no, we got it. Disney uh, makes you cry. It just no, does. Um, favorite live action and and we can go down so many different avenues here because the the company has grown but i'm going to stick with with walt disney um favorite uh is mary poppins uh i know we've got some animation in there so there's a little crossover but i'm going to consider that to be my my live action pick because i love well i love the story but i also uh love the sherman brothers music and uh, i just you know love that if I were to go full, you know, no, no animated, well, uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is another really close second for me yeah. because I, I sit there and watch the, um, you know, the, the, the interesting Jules Verne story, but from an artistic production design stand and, you know, the Nautilus, all those kind of things are like, this movie is so amazing. So, mm-hmm. sorry, wow. big answers. <laughs> No, no good. Feed the Birds is my favorite Disney song. So yeah. Mary Poppins is a special place. Um, okay. Favorite song? 
just Disney song. Oh. <laughs> this should not be a hard question, but it is. Um, because my answer will change even after we hang up because I will continue <laughs> to just think and think. And think. That, seriously, that is, that is so hard. Uh, I'm going to go for uh, Golden Dream from American Adventure. I don't even think I know what that is. Am I not oh, a Disney America, fan? Spread your golden wings. I, I don't think I know. Wow, You've I have got homework. I know. Wow, I'm Seriously? embarrassed. I shouldn't have admitted that. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> it, it's, it started from American Adventure uh, okay. in Epcot uh, and then uh, was inserted into Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, I believe, mm -hmm. in the 90s. And then in the version that I did uh, in 2010, uh, uh, that's the playoff music for the end. Mm. Okay, I'm gonna go look that up after. I know. Okay, last but question. There's, there's a lot. Believe me, there's so many that this is going to continue to just. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'll have like 12 emails from you. You're like, I've changed I my mind. No, 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 no. Now it's fun to be free. Now it's this. Yeah. Um, okay, last question. Your favorite project that you've worked on as an, Im an Imagineer? Uh, okay. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. But, there, but there's so many facets of that because of the different disciplines. I could tell you it's this because of this and it's this because of this and this one's because of this. And that. The, okay, maybe not your favorite, but something that just really sticks out in your so, mind. But but when I have to choose one, I do say great moments with Mr. Lincoln. And mm -hmm. the reason being, uh, when Tony Baxter and I started working on this version of it, the intent was to take it back to the 1964 New York World's Fair uh, Walt Disney type of version, but we also knew that what was presented at the World's Fair uh, wouldn't necessarily be the proper translation, even for attention spans uh, in, in 2010. Um, so that one does mean the most because it was trying to be respectful of Walt's vision. Um, I mean, I have not been alive in Walt's lifetime i just know of the person's legacy but to very intentionally be trying to do an attraction that i also knew not many people would even visit if we knew even before redoing it that hey it's minimal people kind of duck in here to get away from the heat we know this but you know because it's not the big e-ticket attraction that you know everybody's going to plan their vacations around but the idea that this has to to live up to what we think Walt would have wanted depicted in, in 64. And then on top of that, uh, working really hard to create something for the park that had emotional content. And what you need to know what I mean by that is we can go on a, on a space mountain and find it exhilarating or fun. Um, it's like I did, uh, the, the concept for Hyperspace Mountain was my original concept for putting Star Wars in as an, as an overlay because that's exciting to me. That's fun, exciting. That's not the emotion I'm talking about. It's the, uh, uh, when we were like doing sound levels, audio levels with the, the, the sound designer on Lincoln, um, the, the finale is Battle Hymn of the Republic. And, and I would talk about the, the audio levels and how they needed to, subtly hit certain beats because at this point in battle hymn of the republic you need to be filled with so much emotion that you 
are holding yourself back from standing up out of your seat. It's that kind of thing, you know, where, mm. where there's an uncontrolled, like, I can't believe this attraction, this show made me feel that way. Not just that I laughed or that I put my hands up and screamed, but that I actually felt something because how often are any of us willing to be vulnerable enough to allow ourselves to feel something? So mm -hmm. that attraction okay. means the most wow. because of all those things. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, our last question we like to la ask all of our guests is what their silver lining is. So just something good that came from something bad or challenging. And it can be in any time span now or in the past. I don't know if there's anything that, that pops up for you. Um, well, I don't know if I'm answering this correctly or not, but uh, the it, it's kind of a theme we've been talking about all through this, but the ability to to learn. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I crave knowledge. Um, and I don't mean like, I'm going to be smarter than you knowledge. I mean, if something's interesting to be learned, I, I crave that. And this career, this job in themed entertainment, in theater, past, present, and future gives me the ability to continue to learn. And I like gaining knowledge. I like learning things from people, from environments. It's, it's interesting and fun to me. I like to learn. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's so, so good. good. Oh, well, Josh, thank, thank you. you so much. <laughs> uh, we learned so much. And our favorite interviews are when people can just go on forever. And so I'm kind of bummed that we even interjected. I know. I'm um, sorry. That I, I'm feeling bad for talking so much. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. No, <laughs> no, it's the best because passion is what like we live for. We yeah. love, we love passion and we love passionate people. And so mm -hmm. that's why we really were so excited to have you on. Yeah. Well, thanks. And now I have so much homework work she's got homework she's a little more passionate about disney we've covered a lot today so i appreciate it that's good <laughs> all right shakers thank you so much for listening this was such a fun episode today um i'm sure you guys could tell i just had the best time um being able to talk to josh and pick his brain about all things disney um we hope you enjoyed it as well um you can follow us personally at olivia Kern and at it's lisa brosser and you can also follow us at the salt and pepper podcast on instagram um you can join our facebook page the salt and pepper podcast insiders there we just dive into really anything but um conversations we've had on the show all and all of that if you haven't yet, if you could subscribe, rate, and review, it means the world to us. You can just give us some feedback, um, maybe about today's show or some episodes you've listened to in the past. And again, it means so much and it only takes a couple minutes. So thank you so much for joining us and we will see you guys next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Tune in every Tuesday on the saltandpepperpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and please rate and review. Follow us on Instagram at the Salt and Pepper Podcast. Make sure to like and follow our Facebook page and email us for any questions, comments, or ideas about what you want to hear on the show. We will see you next Tuesday. I'm all shook up.